You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Alejandro Zuniga here with me in downtown Los Angeles. It's been quite a week for us as we cover Michigan versus Alabama in the Rose Bowl, the, the bowl games. It's one of the cool things they do is they have a whole week of, of really good access. You know, we got to see some practices. We got to talk to a lot of players one-on-one that we don't normally get to talk to one-on-one. And so it's been a, it's been a good time. So this podcast, uh, Steve was sick. I forgot my microphone, so we, so we didn't get to do our traditional preview. So we're going to kind of try to combine them both here on New Year's Eve. We'll talk a little bit about what we learned this week at Rose Bowl Media Week. And then we'll also talk about our biggest keys to this game, offense and defense. And then we'll close with our predictions. Man, this is a huge, huge game. One of the biggest, I was thinking about this, one of the biggest games in Michigan football history. Undefeated Wolverines 13-0 going up against a 12-1 Alabama team that that just beat another number one team, Georgia, in the SEC championship game in Atlanta. So Alejandro, let's start with thinking about Michigan, what we learned this week. I and mean, we you and I, we got pretty lucky. This 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 is a fun week of media coverage. We got to go to Disneyland. We got to go to the Rose Bowl. We got to go to SoFi Stadium. Uh, you know, we got a little bit of a tour of some of the the big places in LA. But in terms of the actual team and the actual stuff that we learned, what are one or a couple things that that jumped out to you uh, that are still kind of ruminating in your head? Uh, I think. I think Michigan is better prepared for this college football playoff than they have been in years past. Uh, and I think that is both physical and it's mental. Uh, one thing that really stood out to me this week was hearing Michigan football players flat out admit that they overlooked TCU last year and yeah. they, they took that game a little bit for granted. I think most Michigan fans who watched that, that game may, maybe thought the same way. Maybe Michigan fans, if you're listening to this, maybe you overlooked TCU also. Uh, but it was interesting to hear Michigan players say that flat out. And certainly when you have an opponent, the caliber and the pedigree of Alabama, no one on Michigan is overlooking this game. No one on Michigan is overlooking an SEC opponent, a program that's been in the college football playoff eight out of the last 10 years. Uh, so from a mental standpoint, I, I do think they are better positioned. They are the number one team, but they are what you want from competitors is you want them to pay, play with a chip on their shoulder. And they have that. They have, in listening to the questions that Michigan players get asked, it, it's interesting because you get the national media, you get the Alabama media, hmm. and there are just, you feel the disrespect almost. You, you feel, the, you feel the, the arrogance, not that Michigan isn't arrogant. You know, they call themselves the best university in the world in their intro video, right? But, but there's the arrogance of, or the expectation that Alabama is going to come in and do what Alabama does, which is win the semifinal games and make it to the national championship. So, so you've got a team that, that is both talented, mentally focused, mentally locked in and, and then physically as well. And that's something that we've obviously heard since, you know, since the big 10 championship game is they are changing up the way they practiced for the college football playoff. They took some time off. They had opportunity scrimmages where they were letting their, their freshmen, their backups uh, get reps in earlier in, you know, in, in the lead up to this, to this uh, Rose Bowl. Uh, but when we go to practice, there are fewer guys in wraps. There are fewer guys on the sidelines. 
there are fewer question marks. Like last year when we were preparing for TCU, we're looking at Mike Morris. We're looking at all these guys who were banged yeah. up. Uh, this year, it's not so much the case. They are, I think, a lot closer to 100% physically. Uh, and I think that's that's the one thing that I take away. There's only so much you can talk about. Um, sure. But physically, they look like they're as good as you can get for this time in the year. Yeah, I can agree with that. I mean, we always, they, they give us 15 minutes of practice. So we, we're not seeing any plays. We're not seeing any sort of strategy or that much development. But, but we can see how many guys are wrapped up. How many guys are, yeah, in braces. How many guys are in a different uniform to suggest that they're a limited participant and may, maybe Michigan's kind of hiding all that, but at the same time, uh, both practices, that's kind of what jumped out to me. And, and we know some of the players that had injury sort of things come up, right? Junior Colson had multiple clubs on his hands. He had, you know, Mason Graham was dinged up. Kalel Mullings was someone, Will Johnson, uh, pretty much everyone I can think of was Drake Nugent uh, was full go. In, in practice. And, and that's, I do think that was a point of emphasis for Michigan, not, not just to be as injury free as possible, but to be as fresh as possible. I think that was something that um, you could really kind of sense that they were a bruised team against TCU. And part of that was lack of depth at some key positions. Some of it was just the nature of playing 13 games in college football, but, but all season long, Michigan has actually had an approach where they want to play their star players as few snaps as they need to in order to be fresh. And then big emphasis of that in, in December as well. And so, yeah, I think that's, that's definitely there. And I, I do agree with you on the mental side. I, I, I think you and I talked before we came to Pasadena and I said, well, you know, cause we are thinking about writing a story about these like reduced practices this year, it's different, all that. And I said, they kind of say that every year I've covered enough of these bowl games. I I've caught on to the patterns. Uh, but but here in in LA and here in Pasadena, I've I've started to pick up. I starting I'm starting to believe it. And one thing that's allowing me to believe it more is the answers that the players are providing. It's very much more detailed, specific when we ask about Alabama players. Right? We're not just getting oh, you know, they're good. They they know how to, uh, you know, they're athletic. You know, it's not it's not vague answers like it was for TCU. It's not kind of it, it's like very intricate very specific um they've clearly done their homework and I, I i've said this all month as even though alabama's probably the best second best third best team in the country i think michigan got a gift when they got alabama on the schedule because you can't it's impossible to look ahead of alabama no no one even i mean no one in the country is talking about texas washington right now it's it's michigan alabama they're talented they just beat the number one team in the country. Um, so I think I think in addition to the, the physical freshness, I do think that there is a mental sharpness. Uh, this team really is locked in and not just in the cliche way that every team on the – I mean, every team before they play their bowl game is mentally locked in and focused, right? There, it's just like, you know, every player before the season is in the best shape of their lives. It's the same kind of deal. But I, I definitely got a strong sense that this year's team – has done more film studying, more research, more analysis, uh, has and and is a little bit more aware. Because I'm also hearing, I mean, they're they're confident, but I'm not hearing as much confidence. It's a little bit more, you know. Last year there were those comments about, oh, we we're planning to run them over, we're planning smash fast, you know, we you know whatever. Yeah, this year there's a lot more. Like it's going to be a tough challenge. We're excited for the opportunity. 
And I think another thing that was interesting to me, how many players, you know, we had a lot of players who are draft eligible. And we asked a lot of players, you got a couple of them to give their answer. But pretty much all of the ones I talked to said, depends on how I do against Alabama. You know, are you going to go pro? Depends on how I do against Alabama. Are you going to, are you interested in staying a fifth year? Depends on how I do against. So I think there is this, this second element because obviously there's the team goals, but then I do think individually there is that component of this is a, this is a money game. This is an opportunity to show what you can do against it. I mean, in a game that a 10th of the country is going to watch, I mean, this is going to be one of the most watched college football games ever. And and you have a chance to show what you can do against guys who are projected first round picks, projected, you know, all Americans for next year or whatever. So, yeah, I do think I think as Alabama's a tougher opponent than I think Michigan could have drawn, mm-hmm. but at the same time I think it that tough that challenge allowed Michigan to really be focused and really understand that they they haven't won the game yet. I mean, even you you heard it at practice, you know, lots of stuff like we we still have 48 hours to get better. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh said today, you know, we need this day to clean some things up. We need this day to get better. This was this morning, New Year's Eve. So I do think that there is, every team wants to be a team that gets 1% better every day, that, that has that daily focus. I think it's a little bit easier to have that mentality when you are facing a team that could beat you, could beat you bad. I mean, Nick Saban, I just looked it up, 27-4 and four at Alabama when he has more than two weeks to prepare for a game. That's a, including a 6-1 and one record in the college football playoff semifinals. So, And we could run through the position groups, and we could talk for 10 hours about this game. We're not going to. But, you know, this is a game that Mich- has Michigan's full attention. And I think that there is a little bit more awareness that if they don't bring their A game, they'll lose, and their season will be over again. And so, yeah, this, I mean, helps to have, I counted 21 seniors in the two deep, right? Helps to be a veteran team with a lot of upperclassmen who came back, who've played in the playoffs, who've gone 13-0 and and had their season ruined. As crazy as that sounds, but, you know, that's, that's the energy. That's the, what, what they've carried with them all season. So, yeah, I think that was definitely something that jumped out to me, just the maturity Rare combination of talent, maturity, and motivation right now for Michigan. And that's that's why they're the number one team in the country. Um, and they're gonna that's what they're gonna try to show on Monday. What else jumped to you jumped out to you about this week? Any any extra details? Yeah, there was a lot. You know, when you get this week, we wrote sixty you, stories you, as a staff. You get a little bit too much, right? Yeah. <laughs> because it's we're getting access to the level that that we don't get throughout the rest of the season. Um, so there's a lot of little things, right? Like it was. This isn't necessarily Rose Bowl specific, but it's it's great to see Jaden Davis, you know, getting yeah. his first reps and all the rest of the early enrollees. There's eight of them here. You're seeing them in the maize and blue for the first time, getting their first reps with their new teammates. You know, you see Rick Minter, and, and that's a question mark that I had coming in is, you know, Michigan had a coaching change, an unexpected coaching change a couple months ago with Chris Partridge's departure, getting fired. You know, what's Rick Minter going to look like? We had a chance to see him again limited in practice, but he's a veteran coach. We've heard good things about him from the guys he's coaching. Uh, and and it was good to, to see him on the field looking like a, a good linebackers coach, right? Yeah, he's not a substitute teacher. Exactly, I, right. I saw, I was pretty, I mean, we saw 15 minutes. I'm not going to act like 
I saw enough, but, but, but we did not. Time, we, we did not see Bill Nye the science guy. He was stopping the drills to coach start multi year starters on like very little things like hip changes, just in like the first opening warm up drill. He was stopping multi year starters and saying, "No, you should be doing this like for this reason." And I, I just I use the substitute teacher line because like sometimes you have substitute teachers who just come in, they wheel the projector <laughs> in, and it's it's movie day. You know, he's not here to just do that. He's here and or just clap it up and run through the drills. He's actually here to really coach and and share insight. I mean, kind of, I guess you make your own luck, but kind of a lucky break for Michigan that they had <laughs> such a uh, qualified and experienced coach just ready to plug right in. So, um, you know, I guess <laughs> hire the right, hire someone whose dad can be a, a fill-in coach. But at the same time, you know, that's a that's a great example of, of some of the little stuff we get to see this week that we don't always get to see that, you know, he was – he was informing and teaching, not just running the linebackers through drills. Yeah, absolutely. And it's from the beginning of the season. Uh, you know, I remember sitting down with Jim Harbaugh over the summer uh, at an NIL event, and he's talking about how he felt like this was this was his best Michigan football team. This was the yeah. best they have been. And I, I've been reflecting on this over the course of the month since the Big Ten Championship game. Is there was that first one in twenty one which was ecstatic. It was such a celebration. It was okay. Like Michigan as the program, they finally made it and everything else was a bonus, right? Could come a couple of years later. It was a really muted celebration after that big 10 championship yeah. game. Yeah. Like Zach Zinter, um, obviously he didn't play, but like, you know, Trevor Keegan, uh, Cornelius Johnson, all the guys, Blake Corum, all the guys who came back for this year, didn't come back to win a big 10 championship game. They came back expecting to beat Ohio State. They came back expecting to win the Big Ten Championship game. And they came here to win a national championship, right? So that's what I've heard this week too, is that that they're not here just to beat Alabama. They know that this is their window of opportunity. You know, talking yeah. to Carson Barnhart this week, you know, he he told me he's thought for a while. It's, it's, not, that, it's not that things have changed recently, but he's going to go pro after this year, right? Mm-hmm. And he... I'm talking to him. He's looking around the room and he says, look, it's, it's now or never. And mm-hmm. it, it's not that it's now or never, you know, for the Michigan football program as right, a whole. Right, right, right. But it feels like this is their window, right? Yeah. They are a veteran team. They have the coaches. They have the talent. They have the experience. And it, it just all need, needs to come together for them to beat Alabama. But the team feels like it can. I feel like it can. So let's see what they've got. Yeah. I mean, 21 seniors in their two deep by my count. Some might come back. They aren't, they aren't all coming back. I mean, it's going to be a different team next year. This is the experienced team. This is the team with so many players who have started for multiple years. Like, it's not just seniors who just got, you know, into the starting lineup. I mean, it's a lot of guys. And juniors, too. Donovan Edwards, J.J. McCarthy, Junior Colson, Rod Moore. You know, you could run through the list. A lot of guys who who have been here before and they understand how much it hurts to lose. And they understand, I mean, think about, you don't always get second chances. And so they got to think about all off season, all during the season, everything that they wish they had done differently last December. And they got to apply it to this December. So we're going to hit a quick break on the other side. We'll talk a little bit more about the game itself. uh, And we'll each come up with a key on offense and defense for Michigan to win this matchup. You're listening to the Wolverine 24 seven podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So Alejandro, uh, <laughs> we were joking all week. Can't take another Jalen Milrow question. You know, you mentioned you have national reporters, you have uh, S, you know, Alabama reporters, you have reporters from all over the country asking Michigan players all these questions. So, uh, lots of stuff about the SEC speed, lots of stuff about the about about you know Alabama's offense, the prestige, the offensive line, averaging three hundred and thirty eight point six pounds, which is just absurd. And of course, Jalen Milrow. So let's since all the press conferences needed to start with Jalen Miller, including today's with Jim Harbaugh. Let's start there. Biggest key for you for Michigan's defense in this matchup. Uh, who's Jalen Milrow? <laughs> <laughs> he is, I'll, I'll tell you, he's Alabama's quarterback. Really, really special player. I mean, I, I, I don't know everyone who's coming back. He's, he'd be on my Heisman Trophy shortlist for next year. Uh, fantastic runner, 700 Sack adjusted rushing yards. So if you take out the sacks, he's at about seven, six ninety three on the year on sixty three carries, twelve rushing touchdowns. But he's also really good at deep ball throwing too. Um, he's top five in the country in uh, passer rating, touchdowns, efficiency uh, when he's throwing the ball twenty yards or more downfield. So he's he's a you know I think Jesse Minter put it. He, he's a two way player, two play player I should say, where you have to think about the play that's called, and you have to think about the second play. He's got. Uh, under pressure, he's got what 479 scramble yards on the season. So, so really fantastic player, fantastic talent. Uh, probably not going to be a scenario where you stop him and he just has this awful day. But at the same time, you slow him down, you have a chance to win this game. What is the biggest key for Michigan's defense in this game? Yeah, obviously there there's a ton to talk about. There's a ton we could talk about. One one player in particular, I'm going to have my eyes on early and often is the guy who's wearing number two and playing in the Rose Bowl with shoulder patches and inviting the comparisons okay, okay, I like it, yeah. to a former Michigan great is Will Johnson, of course. Um, and he was banged up. You know, he, he missed the back half of the Ohio State game. He missed the Iowa game. He is back to full health, as close as he's going to be. He says he's fully healthy. We, you never know uh, with, with what they say and what's really true. But if Will Johnson is 100%, and if he can lock down in some capacity Alabama's receivers, that changes the game for Michigan. Because what could Michigan do when they had Charles Woodson is they could leave Charles Woodson on an island and know that it was fine, right? And yeah. know that half the field was erased from the equation. And can they do that with Will Johnson? Because if they can, that opens up the door for them to do so much more across the board. And listen, the one quote that stands out to me from the Ohio State game when Michigan did have Will Johnson was Marvin Harrison Jr. 
talking to reporters after the game saying Michigan threw coverages at him that he had never seen before. Hmm. And when you are facing a first-year starter in Jalen Milrow, he has improved dramatically this year, right? There yeah. is no doubt about that. At the same time, he's a first-year quarterback. He, They have changed the playbook. Alabama has changed the playbook. They have simplified some things. They have leaned into his strengths as a runner. They have done a fantastic job of molding the offense around him this year. He is still a first-year quarterback who is going to be prone to A, holding the ball too long. There's a reason Alabama has given up so many sacks and B throwing into throwing into coverage, throwing into double coverages, not recognizing exactly what he's seeing. So can Michigan do that? They can, they absolutely can. That's what they've done all year. That is how they slow down out or Ohio state's offense. When Ohio state's offense had Marvin Harrison jr. And Kyle McCord, who is probably laughing at Ohio state's bowl result right now from his uh, (laughs) seat in Syracuse, New York. Um, But Listen, Isaiah Bond, Jermaine Burton are fantastic receivers. Uh, the deep shots are going to come. Will Johnson held his own against Ohio State. He did more than hold his own, especially early on, right, with that game-changing interception. He's the guy who has invited all the pressure with Charles Woodson's number two. Hmm. This yeah. is the stage where the five-star, you know, make a couple picks uh, against Purdue in the Big Ten Championship game last year. Like, that's nice. But you want to be a legend, this is where it happens. And for me, that's the key because we know Alabama is going to take their deep shots. And we know that Michigan wants to keep Will Johnson on on Alabama's best receiver. Who wins that matchup? Because if Michigan wins it, their defense is, is in very good shape. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, legacies are on the line here on both sides of the ball. But but I think, you know, Michigan, yeah, Will Johnson – uh, this is why you recruit five stars for games like this. So, and he's had a fantastic year. This isn't some like he's got to show up. But he's just that good that that if Michigan's defense is at its best, is at its best, Will Johnson's probably having a good day. I think my biggest key is going to be about the discipline because I actually do think Michigan's coverage can stick with Alabama's receivers, and I do think Michigan's defensive line, very different sized and shaped. Than when they faced Alabama in 2019. I was thinking about that. It's like, man, they had Carlo Kemp and Jess Spade in there. Now they've got these 335 pounders who can run five second, 40 yards. I mean, it's, it's a much different looking defensive front. I do think that Michigan can hold its own defensively, but it has to continue its season long trend of avoiding missed tackles, avoiding penalties, avoiding blown coverages. Cause Milrow, you know, yeah, sometimes he holds on to the ball too long, but sometimes he's extending a play. And sometimes he's making things happen when a play, when most offenses would just have an incompletion. You know, he's ma- he can make things happen. I mean, under pressure, he's, he, he's, he's completed about 50% of his passes under pressure, but he's averaging uh, 10 yards per attempt. He has 590 passing yards on 59 pressures this season or 59 attempts went under pressure this season. I mean, he's, he's much better than a lot of quarterbacks are under pressure. And part of that's because he, he just can escape better. He can extend plays. So I think staying disciplined, you know, all the, all the edge rushers have talked about, they have to stay in their rush lanes. This isn't the time to try to get greedy and go around the, the top and get the sack because Milrow will take off. He'll see that opening and he'll go. And so, yeah, I think a disciplined pass rush, discipline and coverage, you know, avoiding the penalties, avoiding, you know, making sure you're sticking with your man, but also, you know, understanding uh, you might have to 
be on assignment a little bit longer. Plays last a little bit longer when you have a quarterback like Jalen Milrose. So, you know, I think the key, the biggest key to me is discipline. And I think this will be a very good test for Michigan's interior linemen because what a lot of teams don't have that Michigan does have is defensive tackles who can get to the quarterback. I don't think they're beating Jalen Milrow in a foot race, but at the same time, they can provide some serious pressure. I mean, this, I think about like X factors for this game, which we'll talk about in a moment, but Kenneth Grant's got to be a big one. I think Mason Graham's got to be a big one. Chris Jenkins has got to be a big one. Rayshon Benny as well, and Cam Good, the whole gang. If they can create some pressure, if they can help out those edge rushers just with staying their run lane, pushing the pocket a little bit, I think that goes a long way in helping Michigan's keep its defensive composure. Because we talk a lot about the challenges Milrow presents. Michigan might be the best defense in the country. And I think we were saying that before Alabama beat Georgia. I mean, just really balanced, smart, disciplined for the most, lead the country in missed tackle rate, lead the country in fewest penalties. I I do think that there is, this is going to be a challenge for Alabama too. So I think, I think a disciplined approach, keeping their defensive composure, keeping their def- rush integrity, keeping their coverage intact without, you know, getting too grabby or whatever. Big key, big key. I, I do, I do like how Michigan's defense lines up in this matchup. Let's switch to the other side. Going to be a tough challenge. I I honestly think if Alabama had played Michigan's schedule, it would be top five in all these defensive categories. I think they've played a few. They're a little bit more battle-tested, but, man, I think they're they're really exceptional. Biggest key for you for Michigan's offense in this game. Lots of ways they can go about it, but but what do you you think is going to be the biggest determining factor in Michigan's success in this game? I mean, it's got to start with the offensive line, right? Because that's that's where Michigan's bread is buttered. That is the the heart and soul of this program is the Michigan offensive line, and it's reshaped uh, since Zach Zinner's injury, and it's facing it's facing an edge group. You know, it, it's facing a Dallas Turner uh, man, like and, it, and Chris Braswell and Chris Braswell, yeah, like, very Ajabo Hutchinson like. Yes, they're top ten in like every pass rushing stat. Yes, and. Listen, Michigan ran the ball 32 straight times to beat Penn State, right? Why why did Michigan lean so heavily on its ground game? Mm-hmm. Well, look back to the first series, maybe the first couple series, yeah. and J.J. McCarthy's running for his life because maybe the best analog for, for what Alabama's going to bring are, are you know, your Chop Robinsons and the, the guys that Penn State had. And, and Michigan couldn't match up with that at least early on, right? So when you've got a retooled offensive line. Uh, you've got Ladarius Henderson on one side. You've got, you know, Trent A. Jones coming in. He's an experienced guy. I think he's very talented, right? I, I think very highly of him, particularly as a, a run blocker. Uh, but what is that going to look like in pass protection, right? What's that going to look like? It's going to be, I think, a partisan Michigan crowd. So maybe not the noise factor that Michigan faced yeah. at, at Penn State, right? That, that certainly, you know, when, when you can't hear the snap count, when you can't hear the cadence, uh, that probably played a factor into that. Uh, but given Michigan's struggles with talented edge rushers this year, you know, that's, that's the first key. And the second is, of course, what can Michigan do on, with its interior running? Because where Al- Alabama has, they're good, they are not elite at the in, in, in the interior of their defensive line, yeah, that's right? True. So, so can you know a a Carson Barnhart who's moved inside a Drake Nugent, you know who who came to Michigan for this moment at center? Like, can can they move people? 
Trevor Keegan, who came back for one more year. Like, this is what you came back for. Uh, Michigan, if it can move the ball inside, if it can run the ball inside, you know they're content to do so. They will they will burn the clock. They will limit possessions. They will keep Jalen Milrow off the field as long as possible. Uh, so if they can get that going, that opens up a lot, right? I think a big piece of this will be J.J. McCarthy's health and how much Michigan's willing to run J.J. McCarthy. He got banged up in the Penn State game. He told us this week that before the Maryland game, not only was he not practicing, but at halftime of the Maryland game, he was in tears because of how much he was in pain, right? Against Ohio State, when Michigan needed to run the ball or wanted to run the ball, they brought in Alex Orgy and had a package with him. And they they didn't use J.J. McCarthy's legs quite as much. And again, in the Iowa game, J.J. McCarthy's gotten himself back. He says he's 110%. Take that for what it's worth. Uh, but Michigan, their offense, it starts with the line. It starts with how they can run the ball. Everything else will follow. Uh, but hey, if it doesn't have to follow because Alabama's secondary is so elite, uh, then Michigan will be content to run the ball 30 plus times if that's what it takes to win. Yeah, I think that that's a lot of good points. I mean, this this is going to be a big proving ground for the offensive line. And we've talked about it a couple times this week, you and I. They won the Joe Moore Award twice. And then in the playoff game, they really did not look like the nation's best offensive line. And there's plenty of factors, plenty of analysis that can go into that. But the bottom line is they did not look like they did against Ohio State in those playoff games. So, you know, making sure that they're staying consistent, even with losing a unanimous All-American. I mean, at this point, they've had a month to prep. They have they still have six seniors with, you know, combined probably 200 starts at this point in their careers. So, so certainly no lack of experience or size or, or talent or ability. I mean, a lot of guys who are playing for their draft stock right now too. So big challenge for the offensive line. I think the biggest key for me is going to be using the whole pass catching arsenal. I think this is such an underrated strength of Michigan's is that they, they can throw to multiple tight ends who can make plays. They can throw to multiple running backs who can make plays. Colson Loveland fifth, among power five tight ends in receiving yards. Donovan Edwards, 11th among power five running backs in receiving yards. And I want to read just a couple stats. I, you know, there's, there's 50 million stats we could throw in here, but uh, so far in coverage this season, opponents are averaging seven yards per attempt when throwing to tight ends. They're averaging seven yards per attempt when throwing to running backs against receivers. They are throwing, they're averaging 4.6 yards per attempt. So Alabama, Terry and Arnold, Kool-Aid McKinstry, elite, as good as it gets, cornerback duo in the country. Probably the best cornerback duo in the country. I don't even think that's controversial at this point. Uh, you know, they've got some pretty good safeties. They've got some good linebackers, but not exceptional in coverage. I do think there will be opportunities to throw to Colson Loveland or to Donovan Edwards. I mean, this, and maybe even Samaj Morgan, too. And so, you know, Alabama, pretty good athletic defense on all fronts. But I think when I when I look at Alabama's defense, I think there's a pocket of opportunity where if Michigan uses its whole pass catching arsenal, and I know Steve and I have talked about it in a lot of our preview pods, he will say this is a game where Colson Lovelin can break out. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a game where Donovan Edwards can can be open in the pass pass game. I really think that does open things up, though. You know what's going to make JJ McCarthy's job easy, knowing he has a running back to throw to, knowing he has a tight end to throw to, and then once teams have to, or once Alabama has to start prioritizing that, 
suddenly you might get Roman Wilson single coverage, right? Suddenly you might have uh, Dallas, or, you know, Dallas Turner or Chris Braswell. They might have to pass rush differently. You know, suddenly their 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 effect is not going to be as long because JJ McCarthy is going to be able to find the open man. So I think using the whole pass catching arsenal, finding the open man, it's might sound simple, but that's that's really been extremely effective for Michigan's offense this season. They can really throw to anyone at any time in any situation. I think that's going to open things up for the Wolverines. All right, Alejandro, one more thing before we do the predictions. We talked about a few different players, but who's an X-Factor player in this game for you? I I did a story on X-Factor players uh, at the beginning of this week. It's kind of who's someone maybe not the star, maybe not someone we're consistently talking about that you think if they have a big game, you really like Michigan's chances in this matchup. Well, but before just naming a specific player, the one X-Factor I think Michigan has going for it is its depth. Yeah. Right? It's depth and its freshness. Uh, Alabama has played this season on a knife's edge pretty much because they lost to Texas so early in the mm-hmm. season. They knew they, they had zero margin for error. If they lost again, even if they had I mean, they barely made the, the college football playoff as it is. Right. Uh, so, so Alabama has, has needed every win. They have played in a lot of close games. They almost lost to, they played a close game against Arkansas. They almost lost to Auburn, right? They, they faced Georgia in, you know, the, the game to, to decide which SEC team would be in the college football playoff this year, Michigan has been able to keep its foot off the gas for a large part of sure. this year, right? We we have seen DJ Waller and Amorian Walker playing first quarter snaps in Big Ten games, and we have seen them playing a lot of third and fourth quarter snaps, uh, but not specifically about them. Think about the defensive line, right? Think about the edge rushers that Michigan has. Think about the linebackers, like... Michigan has limited the number of snaps that say a Chris Jenkins has played this year because he is rotating so much, right? They feel like there is not that big of a drop off if it's Chris Jenkins, if it's Mason Graham, even if it's Cam Good, if it's Rayshon Benny. Michigan has four edge rushers that they will rotate in. They consider them interchangeable. Ernest Hausman has played himself into basically like a, a co-starter role. Yeah, uh, in the amount that he plays at, at both inside last year, and they could have used that last year, right? So, Michigan has been able to keep its players fresh. That was a concerted effort from the very beginning of this season, based on what happened last year against TCU, based on how banged up they were at the end of last season. So, what is that going to look like both coming into this game, but then as the sun setting over the San Gabriel Mountains? and you're getting into the third and fourth quarters of the Rose Bowl, what does that look like when you have a, a you know, a, a Mason Graham who's only played 30 snaps, right? Well, what's that going to look like? I think that for Michigan is its biggest edge. When it comes to a specific player, you just mentioned him a bit, but I think your tight ends, right? Nick Saban said himself, Colston Loveland is a mismatch. I have gone into every single game this year thinking that, Michigan has mismatches both because of its tight ends and because it has a guy like Donovan Edwards. Maybe you throw in a Samaj in there. Uh, but these are guys that, you know, Colson Loveland, when he's matched up against a linebacker or safety, I like that matchup nine times out of 10. Now, granted, Alabama, Caleb Downs is a yeah. fantastic true <laughs> freshman. I mean, he is a true freshman, but he is, as Nick Saban said today, potentially the best freshman secondary player he has had in his tenure at Alabama and he's had some good ones right but 
I don't think Michigan will be able to move the ball consistently throwing to its wide receivers. So when they are moving the ball through the air, I think it has to be to Colston, has to be to AJ, maybe get creative with Donovan Edwards. We haven't seen that big game from him. We haven't seen big game Don yet this year. Right. Is it going to be the Rose Bowl? I mean, that's that's a heck of a way to, to put your name back on the national stage. I think it's more likely you see solid, not maybe spectacular stats, but key first downs to AJ Barner, to Colston Loveland, to sustain methodical drives, which is what Michigan does best. Yeah, I'll give one on offense, one on defense. On offense, I think it is Trente Jones. I mean, he's got a tough challenge. This is this is uh, not for the timid, I guess. Four, <laughs> four competitors only. Is that yeah, it? yeah, four competitors only. I mean, he's he started a lot of games. I don't know if he's had a challenge quite like this. Maybe filling in in that Ohio State game, but at the same time, you know, Braswell Turner, they're exceptional. Uh, Trente Jones quietly has not allowed a pressure this season, unless unless I misread the stat. Uh, I had to, I did double check it. Maybe I needed to triple check it. But at the same time, been very good in pass protection. Everyone I've talked to, even before this season, has always said that that Trente Jones, a little bit more athletic, a little bit better footwork uh, than Carson Barnhart. He's a little bit more of a candidate to play tackle at the next level than Barnhart is. Barnhart was kind of just a very good offensive lineman, probably a guard at the next level, but you know they had two really good guards, so he, he played tackle. I, I actually kind of think Jones has a little bit higher ceiling as, as an offensive tackle. So you know I think he's a big X factor for the offense because if, if he has a nice game, one, scouts will be paying attention, but two, I think Michigan's going to be able to do a lot more of what it wants to do on offense. I mean, think about 2021. If anyone had stopped Aiden Hutchinson – or David Ajabo in the Big Ten, you know, Michigan, they played a lot of close games. <laughs> you know, that, that makes a big difference. On defense, a few different players that, that catch my eye, but it's got to be Kenneth Grant. I mean, his, his ceiling is so high. His talent is, or his potential is very vast. And Alabama's offensive line, it's very big. It's not perfect in pass protection. They are 118th in sacks allowed. They are 95th in pro football focuses pass blocking efficiency. I think they're 46th in PFF's pass blocking grades. Milrow has been put under pressure in 36.5% of his dropbacks, which is really high. Most teams are kind of in the 25 to 30 range. 36 and a half, I mean, that's, that's quite a bit. That's three out of every eight snaps he's under pressure. Now, he makes great plays under pressure, but at the same time, I, I think what, what Michigan has that other teams Alabama's face don't really have is, yeah, a guy like Kenneth Grant who can pair with Mason Graham and Chris Jenkins. I mean, the whole unit's going to be an X factor. But I think, I think if you're talking about a player who's maybe not the first guy mentioned in these previews uh, that can step up and make a big difference, it's Kenneth Grant. Another, another defensive player I'm keeping an eye on, talked to him yesterday, uh, Josiah Stewart. Really big offensive line. I mean, both tackles are 6'6", 360, which just sounds absurd. Mm -hmm. What happens when a 6'1", 237-pound edge guy who's gotten better every or throughout the season? I really do think his he's improved. One of the more improved throughout the course of the season players on Michigan's roster, uh, he can get low. I mean, he can, you know, win. Can he? Use that pad level, use that uh, lack of height, I guess, or, 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 you know, being, what, 120 pounds lighter. I mean, it's just kind of a weird, I mean, maybe it's advantage Alabama, but I think, you know, talking to him, he's, he said, you know, I, I, 
I think I've got some moves that can work in this matchup. And and I will say, as big as that offensive line is, all the defensive linemen I talked to this week, uh, they're hungry to prove what they can do. Uh, they a little, I, I wouldn't maybe call it a chip on their shoulder. They feel like the offensive line of Alabama has gotten too much praise. I'll speak for them. They didn't say that specifically, but reading between the lines, I think they're hungry to show. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of we'll see kind of narrative from that Michigan defensive line. And, and I, again, we talked about the gift of playing Alabama. I do think this Michigan team does have a chip on its shoulder from, and I think this, this week of media coverage has furthered that. All right, last thing, and then we'll get out of here. Alejandro, your final thoughts on this game and your score prediction for Monday. My final thoughts on this game are, thank goodness this game is finally happening. We've been talking about it for the better part of a month at this point, and and this week in particular. Zach, you mentioned 60-plus stories from our staff over the last few days. Just since we got here. um, My my fingers are tired, uh, so I'm excited to to watch football and and see how it plays out. I I come into this game thinking, thinking similarly to the Ohio State game, which is that I feel like Michigan is better equipped to have long sustained drives, uh, but that from a defensive standpoint, Alabama is the far more likely team to land some haymakers uh, against Ohio State. Will Johnson did a fantastic job, uh, but Ohio State wasn't able to hit those shots over the top for touchdowns, right? They had a couple longer passing plays, but none of them went to the distance. Uh, so it's going to be that, I think, again, in this game is Michigan being able to move the ball, can they convert long drives into touchdowns instead of field goals? And then can they keep Alabama in front of them and, and make them work the field? Because I don't think that Jalen Milrow necessarily is going to be perfect or near perfect over the course of a sustained drive to keep that alive. Um, listen, I've got a flight book to Houston in a couple of days. I will say that. Okay. <laughs> uh, I also, though, uh, have a train heading back to Michigan. Which of those am I more likely to take? <laughs> I think I'm probably taking the train, right? Oh, okay. I, I am not counting out Michigan. I think this is going to be a fantastic game. I think that there's a reason why this game is so talked about. It's the two it's two of the most storied programs in college football. It's two great coaches. It's two great teams. And I think either either of these teams, I think the winner of this game wins the national championship game. Okay, I can get on board with that. That being said, I just, I've said this all year. Quarterback play in the Big Ten was abysmal. It was not good this year. And I, I'm i concerned for Michigan's defense in facing a guy like Jalen Milrow. There's a reason we've talked about him all week. Is He is something that Michigan hasn't seen this year. He is the guy who is, you know, mobile, like some of the guys Michigan faced this year, but can also actually yeah, throw the ball. Yeah, he can actually do both. He's right. Actual <laughs> he can actually threat. do both of those. Um <laughs> He's a dual threat in the best way, and Alabama's capitalized on that. Um, so how do I think this game plays out? I, I think it's key. It's imperative for Michigan not to fall behind uh, like they did against Georgia. So they were never going to beat they Georgia. They were down 14-0 against Georgia and TCU at the end of the first quarter. Yeah. Can't do that. Can't do that. Um, but I do think Alabama is, is more likely to, to hit that knockout blow. Uh, that, that Michigan would be. Um, again, though, I, I give Michigan every shot in this game, and 
I, 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 I wouldn't love to check out Houston, but it would be fun to go to Houston. So I'd love Score. to be proven wrong. Let's, uh, let's give it Alabama 20, Michigan 17. Okay. Okay. So I came in to this week thinking similar to you. I, I always do my advanced numbers, previews, kind of see how all these, these teams stack up statistically, how each position group or phase matches up. It kind of favored Alabama to me. Uh, you know, and, and then you also factor in, I mentioned the Nick Saban, 27-4, and four, when he's got more than two weeks to prepare. Uh, Jim Harbaugh's record is not that. It's, you know, that season openers, bowl games. I mean, it's, it's why Nick Saban is viewed as the greatest coach in college football history. Um, you know, he just, he knows how to scout, prepare both his coaches and then his team for these kind of games. And, and he also has, uh, you know, a very loaded roster. You know, he doesn't, you know, sometimes talent just wins. And so, yeah, I kind of came into the week, the, into this week thinking that I would pick Alabama but I got to say, you know, this week was a was a reminder that this is this is not a game that's going to be decided on paper. It's not a game that's going to be decided based on talent. It's going to be decided based on discipline, execution, uh, grit, toughness, heart. I mean, this is you want a good trench battle. This is going to be as good as it gets in the country. You know, and that's not even talking about the Heisman NFL caliber quarterbacks or, or some of the other elite players all over the field, the cornerbacks. Yeah, it's it's a loaded matchup, but I think it's it's really going to come down to the fact that Michigan has, as I said earlier a moment ago, a really rare combination of talent, experience, maturity, and motivation. Coaches all over the country in every sport dream about a team that, that has all of those things, the maturity, motivation, and ability. Uh, you know, this Michigan team, I think, has it. I think they have the it. You know, Jim Harbaugh calls them the team. You know, a lot of talk about the team, the team, the team. This is this is that team that they dream about, that they that coaches, uh, you know, have long speeches about aspiring for. And I think about, a lot of people talk about last season, J.J. McCarthy, a year older. He looks a lot better. He looks smarter. Uh, he's just more experienced. Blake Corum's healthy. Donovan Edwards, healthy. Uh, you know, the defense returned eight starters and what, 16 two deep players, 16, 17 two deep players. Uh, they look better than last year. They're missing tackles at a lower rate. They're committing penalties at a way lower rate. They're giving up big plays. They're, they're number one in the country in fewest plays of 10 yards or more allowed. And they've played more games than a lot of teams. So, yeah, I think I think the defense is a little bit better just in terms of like, you know, I trust it more. I trust them not to have a letdown game more. So at the end of the day, I think, I think this game is going to be uh, pretty tight, pretty close. And I think the grit and the, the desperation is going to show one way or another for both of these teams. And I've covered enough of these teams, you know, college sports, whether it's football, basketball, uh, there is something to the senior desperation. There is absolutely something to this. This might be my last time playing. I don't know if Michigan, I don't know how many players are last time playing football ever, but a lot of players who are keenly aware and keenly determined to leave a Michigan legacy, make, make that next step for the program, you know, cause they've been to the semifinal twice now they've won the big 10 championship. It was a muted celebration. I remember in 2021, it took like 90 minutes for them to leave the locker room because they were just, they were so riled up. Uh, this year, I mean, they were probably out of the stadium, press conference, everything within an hour. So 
yeah, it's uh, they're on a mission. And after this week, after hearing some of their comments, their thoughts, their motivations, I believe that they can get that mission done. I've got Michigan 27, Alabama 23. We got lots of coverage. We mentioned over 60 stories. There might even be a couple more over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. We've got, I mean, myself, Alejandro, Sam Webb, Josh Newkirk even made the trip uh, to Pasadena. So we'll have lots of boots on the ground, live coverage from the Rose Bowl. Be sure to check it out. Uh, Steve, he's coming back from a cold. Uh, I think he'll be able to do a post-game pod with me. But until then, this has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. We'll see you after the game. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus.